Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. All right, if you would, turn in your Bibles uh, to Joel. Joel chapter 1. We just finished up uh, 1 Timothy last week. And Joel is one of the minor prophets. Uh, if you want to find Joel, um, uh, you've got the, the longer prophets uh, like uh, Ezekiel and Daniel and Jeremiah and Isaiah that are there. It's after those. Uh, when you come to Hosea, which is the first of the minor prophets, and it's right after that, and it's before you get to Amos. So it's only three chapters long. It's pretty small. Shouldn't take us too long uh, to go through the book of Joel. But tonight we're going to cover the first 12 verses of uh, chapter 1. And uh, just want to think about a few things before we begin. Uh, there there um, have been, I think, in our recent history, and I, I think when it comes to our recent history, I'm thinking in the last hundred years, uh, some events that have shaped a generation. Uh, you can think of the Great Depression. The Great Depression really had an effect on an entire generation. Um, those of you who have parents uh, that grew up in the Great Depression, or maybe even, I don't know, it, it was, I think maybe Grandpa, he, he may be asleep right now, I don't know. <laughs> he was maybe born during, during the Great Depression, I'm not sure, but... Uh, that, that really had an effect on a, on a generation. There was uh, in widespread poverty and hard to find any jobs or anything like that. And, and people learned to live with what they had. Um, and it just affected them for the rest of their lives. And then we can think also of December 7, uh, 1941, Pearl Harbor, uh, when our country was attacked. Uh, and, and that had a great effect on... A generation. Uh, we think of these disasters that have this great effect. And we think uh, more recently, uh, September 11th. Uh, something, we'd never seen anything like that before. Uh, to, for, for terrorists to fly planes into a building on the 48 states. I mean, that, that's something we'd never seen before and see thousands of people die on that one day. I mean, that, that, that really had an effect on all of us that were alive at the time. And then now, we're living through one. COVID-19. Nobody's seen anything like this before. The last time there was some kind of a major pandemic like this was the Spanish flu before any of us were born. None of us have seen anything like this. And, and so the theme that I'm kind of coming to you with tonight is there's these major disasters that are having an effect on an entire society. Tonight, we're going to look at a major disaster that befell God's people, Israel, and how God was using the prophet Joel to tell the people, you need to listen to what God has to say to you in this event. That's what we're going to be looking at throughout the book of Joel. 
Let's go ahead and look at our, our text beginning in, um, in verse uh, 1 of uh, Joel chapter 1. And um, the, this major disaster that Joel is talking about is a plague of locusts that comes and wipes out everything. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Give ear, all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days? Or in the days of your fathers? Tell it to your children. And let your children tell their children. And their children to another generation. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all of you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are like lion's teeth, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has laid, fa- laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down, and their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed. The ground mourns because the grain is destroyed. The wine dries up. The oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine dries up. The fig tree languishes. Pomegranate, palm, and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up. And gladness dries up from the children of man. Let's pray. Father, may we be attentive to your word. May we hear what it is that you want us to learn. From this disaster that happened to your people hundreds, thousands of years ago, and to the disasters that we have faced. Lord, help us to hear what you are saying. Help us to wake up and help us to lament. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And give me grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen begins, the word of the Lord came to Joel, son of Pethuel. The word of the Lord came to is, is a formula that we see in several of the prophets. Um, it, it, it's these same words, the word of the Lord came to. We also see it uh, in Jonah. In Jonah, it, it begins, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, uh, saying, arise, go to Nineveh. And you see the same thing throughout many of the prophets. And what that tips us off to, this is God's 
speaking to His prophet. This is God's message for His people. And as we are here today, I don't claim to be the prophet. I don't claim to be a son of a prophet, like Amos says. Uh, But at the same time, we hold in our hands God's Word. This is God's Word, and we can trust it. And what we have written here, uh, Joel wrote down what God was saying to his people at that time. Now, what do we know about Joel? Not much. We know Joel's father's name, Pethuel. But we don't know a lot about Joel. We don't know when it was written. We don't know uh, why it was written. There are any particulars. There's not a whole lot given to us in in the type of details. Uh, There's mention made of Judah, so we think maybe it might have been a prophecy to Judah at the time. But honestly, uh, that can be kind of uncertain as well. We don't know at what time period it was written in. Some think that maybe it was written in the 800s. Some think that maybe it was around the 500s or so. And honestly, it doesn't tell us what, who the kings were at the time or anything like that, like many of the other prophets. So it's kind of... It's, it it's, it's kind of comes from an unknown time. We don't know the exact circumstances other than the fact that, that, that whenever it happened, there was this plague of locusts that came upon the people. And this is God's message that He, he says. He begins with, Hear this, you elders. Give ear, O inhabitants of the land. And so the first point that we need to get is God wants us to listen to this. He wants us to hear it. It's important. Hear this. He says, hear this, you elders. He's calling on the older people in the congregation as well as all the inhabitants of the land. Everybody. From the old to the young. Everybody out there. And he asks, has such a thing happened in your days? Or in the days of your fathers? Have you ever seen anything like this? And maybe we asked each other the same kinds of questions whenever the Twin Towers fell. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Or whenever COVID-19 came and everything shut down, the entire economy just completely shut down. Has anybody ever seen anything like this before? Has anything ever happened in your days or in the days of your father? Here, Joel is is saying this this disaster that came upon their land has has happened like that. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. It's the worst kind of locust plague they've ever seen. And when when after asking, has anybody ever seen anything like this? Not only are they called to listen, to hear what God is saying, but He says, Teach this to your children. Tell them about it. Tell your children about it and let your children tell their children and their children also to another generation. We don't want to let this be forgotten. Right? We may think that about things like the Great Depression. We may think that those things about World War II. We don't want those things to be forgotten. There were too many that lost their lives and their blood for our country and things like that. We, and then, then today with, with uh, the Twin Towers falling and 
We don't want that to be forgotten. We don't want that lesson to be forgotten. And yet we can look around and what's going on and we feel like we're only 20 years away and how much we've already forgotten. Joel, God through Joel is telling them, tell this to your children and to their children and to their children after them for another generation. Don't let the lesson of this be forgotten. And then we come to what it is that has happened. What the cutting locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. Everything has been gone, is gone. It's all gone. There are many different words for locust in the Hebrew language. I, I was listening to someone else uh, deal with this text earlier, and uh, they said there were nine different Hebrew nouns for, the, for locusts. Uh, and we're, we're looking at, at about four of them right here. And, and translators just struggle to put this into words because there's all kinds of different words, and we have locust and grasshopper. <laughs> That's it. And, and so... Um, translators just really struggle over this. Uh, but, I mean, for us, if we just, you know, did it plainly, it would be what the locust left, the locust ate. What the locust left, the locust ate. <laughs> but he has different words for all of these things, different things to kind of intensify it. What, uh, and and um, some, some think maybe it's different kinds of locusts. Like maybe, maybe one is uh, like the ones that hop. Or ones are the, the ones that crawl, or ones are um, ones that um, are, are, are that come in swarms and things like that. That's one theory, and then another theory would be maybe there are different stages in the development. Like the grubs ate one thing, and then and then the uh, the fully grown mature ones ate another thing. But whatever it is, we, and we don't really know for sure. It was intense, and they ate it all. There wasn't anything left. We look into see some more of the descriptions there where everything is, every green piece is gone. There's nothing left. They strip it down, even the bark, so that it's just white. And as a kid, I used to uh, take sticks, you know, and try to make a little bow and arrow. And uh, as the bark would begin to die on that, that still kind of green. Uh, stick, I would strip it off and it would just be this white stick without any bark. Um, and that's, that's kind of the idea. It was white because all the bark was all stripped off and it wasn't some, somebody stripping it off on purpose. It was the locust had eaten that much. Why would God do that to His people? I'm going to pause here and kind of look back at Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 28. In Deuteronomy, God was giving a reminder, a reminder of the law and a reminder of His covenant with His people before they crossed in and took the land. And Deuteronomy chapter 28 is really towards the end of the book. And you, you see how there's blessings that are given for obedience 
And there's curses that are given for disobedience. And I will just notice here in chapter 28, verse 15, it says, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord or be careful to do all His commands and His statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Okay, let's skip ahead to verse 36. The Lord will bring you and your kingdom, whom you king who you set over you to a nation that neither know that neither neither you nor your fathers have known, and there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, and you shall become a horror and a proverb and a byword among all the people where the Lord will lead you away. You shall carry much seed into the heart into the field and shall gather little, for the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink the wine nor the, gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. You shall have olive tree throughout all of your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olives shall drop off. What we see here in Joel is God is giving the consequences that He told the children of Israel as they were coming out of of Egypt and into the Promised Land. And He made a covenant with them. If you follow Me, if you're loyal to Me, then you'll have all of these blessings. But if you don't follow Me, if you live in disobedience, then you'll have all these curses. But He knew at that time, God made, knew when He made the covenant with them, they would disobey. He knew they were going to disobey. He knew even then that things like this curse, this, this swarm of locusts was going to come upon His people even back then. To bring judgment even to His own people. Verse 5. We've seen already there's an emphasis on we need to hear this and we need to teach it to our children. We need to not forget the lesson that God is teaching us through this. And the lesson comes in the form of this plague of locusts. We were disobedient and God gave us exactly what He told us He was going to do. He sent the locusts. In verse 5, he gives a command. Awake. Awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are like our lion's teeth, and its fangs, the fangs of lions, of lioness. It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. Tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. How were the people to respond when God sent this plague? It was supposed to be a wake-up call. It was supposed to be a wake-up call. And, and whenever he says, Awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. He's not there 
In this passage, I think God has a lot to say about drunkenness, but the main point here is not condemning drunkenness. I think the point here is saying to the person who's drunk, to the person who, who just is an alcoholic and can never, never get enough uh, and is always drinking, they're going to weep and wail because the DTs have come on. There's no more alcohol left. It, it, there's none to make. You can't even make any because everything you'd make it out of, it's all dried up. It's cut off from your mouth. They're weeping and wailing because God has cut off the flow of having anything to be able to make it. That's the point that's here. And it's a wake-up call. They, they, did, they didn't want to sober up. They wanted to drink and drink and drink to their heart's content, and yet they got to sober up now. There isn't anything to drink. They weep and they wail. This nation that he's talking about here, I think here it pictures... Uh, the, the locust in the form of an army that's coming. And then it changes the metaphor, not just an army that's coming, but now a ravenous lion that's coming. Uh, just imagine the kinds of locusts there with their big sharp teeth. and You can just picture it in your mind what he's describing there. But it's just a grasshopper. Coming in swarms and swarms and swarms. Maybe you've seen them on documentaries where these locusts will come upon a town or, or something and just be everywhere. Well, it, this was so bad, there wasn't a blade of grass that was left. And it was to be a wake-up call. When God brings tragedy upon our nation, when God brings disasters like what we're living in the midst of. We need to hear Joel's call. Wake up. Wake up. We tend to be at ease. We tend, when everything's going well, when everything is prospering, we tend to sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. But God brings suffering and God brings disasters on us to wake us up. May He wake up our land. And may He wake up the church first. Amen. The next thing He says, lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The picture there is like a young woman who's ready to get married. She's engaged. She's got all the pictures taken for the, for, for, for the wedding, the, the, the engagement ring, everything is all ready, and then the night before the wedding, her fiancé gets killed in a car crash. Wail! Lament like that. That's the kind of lament, lamentation that, that Joel is calling for. Lament like the virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn. The ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed. The ground mourns. 
after it tells us to lament for like like this woman that has lost her fiance before the wedding day the reason it gives is that the offerings have ceased in the temple the consequence of the of the locust plague is that there's no longer any grain no longer any vine. They can't make wine. They can't make oil. All the things that are necessary for the sacrifices. And so they can't even worship right. Lament and wail. For those things that are necessary for sacrifice are cut off from the house of the Lord. The fields are destroyed. The ground mourns. I think here of a couple of things. And Paul says, all creation groans waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Right? Even creation itself groans longing for the day when its king comes and sets everything right. We long for that too, don't we? We long for whenever Jesus comes again. Our King is here. He wipes away every tear from every eye. But here, even the ground groans. Mourns. Because the grain is destroyed. The wine dries up. And the oil languishes. And then finally, be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers. He talks here about people who work to produce the crops. The tillers of the soil. They're the ones who planted these fields. The vine dressers. They're the ones who took care of these vines. They did all that work and it was for nothing. They did all their work planting the fields, taking care of the vines, all their work. And it was destroyed when the plague came. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. One thing, the word for be ashamed in Hebrew, it's kind of a word play because the the word sounds the same as the word for dry up. So, because the ground, or because the plants have all dried up, then the tillers of the soil would dry up. The word sounds the same thing as be ashamed. He gives us a picture here. The vine dries up, the fig tree languishes. These two plants that we see the the vine and the fig tree, there's something that we see repeated throughout the Old Testament as well. In times of prosperity, in times when God's blessing is there, every man can sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree. Maybe you've seen that in other passages. That's a picture of prosperity, but it's no longer that way. Here, in this plague... You don't sit under, you don't have your own vine and sit under your own fig tree. Instead, the vine has dried up and the fig tree languishes. 
pomegranate, palm, and apple. All the trees of the field are dried up. There's a difference here. The vine and the crops that were planted and everything that were all, the, the, they had all been eaten. Those were things that people work to take care of and everything. But then you've got the, the trees of the field. Those that are producing fruit. The things that you don't have to go out and, and plant every single year because they come back perennially every year. They're all eaten up too. And finally he says, and gladness dries up from the children of man. Sounds kind of depressing, doesn't it? Sounds kind of depressing. Here what we see in this Old Testament passage, the prophet is aware of what God is doing. He knows his Old Testament. He knows Deuteronomy. And whenever he saw this locust plague had come upon his land, he knows God said he was going to do this if we disobeyed him. So we need to wake up. We need to see what's happened. We need to recognize this is from God's hand. He's bringing judgment on us because we've been in disobedience. We don't stand in the same place here in America today. We are not, America is not Israel. <laughs> so we don't, we don't have a one-for-one -one transfer like, like what we can see here in the book of, of Joel. But there are some things that I think we need to take heed to. When disasters happen, we need to wake up. They need to even now be a reminder to us as believers everything is not at ease. Everything is not easy. No, we live in a world that is broken and we live in a world where God's judgment will one day come. Jesus has absorbed our the wrath that we deserve. Jesus has taken the wrath that, will be, that would be poured out on us. But we live in a land filled with people who have not yet pled for the blood of Jesus. We live in a land where people are lost and dying. And one day, the day of the Lord shall come. One day, they will stand before their Maker and a disaster like this needs to wake us up and remind us and encourage us towards evangelism. It needs to wake us up and remind us of our sin. So often when we're at ease, we, we struggle with all kinds of sin patterns. And then those disasters should be a, a, an opportunity for us to wake up to our own sin. And it ought to call us to repentance. And we lament. We lament. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When we look out at the sin in our world, we ought to mourn. 
We don't stand with our hand in the air saying, look at all you. We mourn. We weep at what we see in the world. And what ought to make us weep even more is when we look into our own hearts. And we see the sin that still remains in us. Before we ever look out to the world, we need to look at ourselves and we need to weep and mourn because blessed are those who mourn. There's a picture of the Gospel in mourning. What does God do when He saves us? He brings us to our senses so we realize our sin. We realize what we deserve is hell. And He wakes us up and He causes us to mourn for the sin within us and we realize we can't do anything to clean ourselves up and we throw ourselves on the mercy of Jesus and He freely accepts us as sons and daughters. Blessed are those who mourn. We ought to mourn over our sin. It's how we appropriate the Gospel. <laughs> when, when, when we hear what Jesus has done, we ought to mourn over the condition we were in. And that brings us into fellowship with Him. And we have the promise that we will be comforted. It's not mourning that ends with mourning. It's morning, but we weeping comes endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at redeemerbaptistpanama.com, or you can like us on Facebook.